Hey everyone, how's it going? Welcome to the Know Your Gear podcast, episode 309. Leonardo says, hey Phil, and everybody. Hey, he says everybody, he wants to say hi. Uh, do you need to replace the pots, potentiometers in the uh, in a made Mexico telly if I replace the neck pickup with a humbucker? So basically what he's saying is, hey look, he's got some 250K uh, potentiometers, the volume and tone control, changes the neck pickup to a humbucker. Um, what's gonna happen there? Uh, probably not a lot. I've always told, uh, told you guys the rule I like to follow, you know, for those of you that may not know, you may be newer listening on a guitar. If you have humbuckers, you're generally going to have 500 K potentiometers or one megs. Most common is going to be 500 K. If you don't know what that means, don't worry. Just have to know the number is 500. <laughs> if you have a single coil, it's going to be 250. Uh, uh, and so, and that's what those potentiometers are. Um, I've always said this, my rule that I follow is if it's a humbucker, single, single, I would stick with, uh, the majority rule. So two single coils and one humbucker, I say go 250 K, right? Uh, if it's two humbuckers and one single coil, I say go 500 K that's the 500 K goes to humbuckers. And now in this one, we're now 50, 50, right? What do you do? Um, I would still say 250 K. And the reason is, is because that bridge is going to ha- uh, be more, I don't want to say problematic and I definitely don't. Uh, I want to say any other way this, if the potentiometers will have more effect on the, on that tele bridge pickup than they will on that humbucker, not noticeable ear effect. And it's going to be minor by the way. Um, like I've said a million times, I would imagine if I snuck in and in the middle of the night, took your guitar and changed any one of your guitars from 500 K to 250 or the next day you wouldn't pick it up and go, huh, sounds a little darker. Sounds a little brighter. Most people couldn't even notice the minor amount um, because whatever it does change, it's minor, but it, it it matters. It matters to some degree. So in your case, uh, no, you don't have to uh, you don't have to replace the potentiometer. So I would just go ahead and stick the humbucker in there. If you would so like, though, you have a second option. See how I'm holding three fingers because I'm trying to think. Like the first option is do nothing. <laughs> second option, of course, is go to 500k, which I don't recommend. The third option, which I was saying second, is this. Let me look it up so I can show you. Um, Whoops. Ooh. Weird that my computer was making that noise. Okay. Uh, and uh, this is a little secret that what I'm showing you is not a secret, but what I'm about to tell you with this is a little secret, little, little spoiler alert. Let's go to sweetwater.com. Let's go to the website. Hopefully everybody can hear me fine. This is the Fender Dual 500K uh, 250K split shaft potentiometer. You can get it in solid shaft as well too. Um, this is $10 and... Uh, you can have your cake and eat it too. You can run one pickup uh, to the uh, 500K, which would be your humbucker, and one pickup to the 250K. These are super easy. If it looks complicated, it's not. <laughs> it's a, basically a very easy thing to do. They're $10, and uh, I can share that with you because um, we uh, are the next model, Badlands, has this potentiometer in them, and we had to buy a lot of them. <laughs> So that's why I said that's the that was going to be the fun little I was going to throw a fun fact at you. Obviously, I'm 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 sharing that with you. I'm not supposed to. But uh, let's just say, obviously, I like that potentiometer a lot because it's in the next run of guitars. And the, uh, for those of you that are pretty, uh, pretty good at some, you know, Sherlock Holmes stuff, you're probably going, hmm, I wonder what two pickups are going to be in the next model Badlands guitar then. So the, the smart people can figure that out. Um, and so, you know, through a lot of diligent research, uh, research, 
uh, I found that I could not find anyone who makes those besides Fender. I do not believe Fender makes that potentiometer. I just cannot find anyone else that has it for sale besides Fender. So that's the one you get. You can probably, oh, and I think a really fun, weird, weird fact. I remember, hold on. Now I want to share with you. Yeah, here's a weird thing. It's going to blow. I'm going to blow your mind. You're going to spend the whole weekend in shock because I was in shock. Uh, so you guys know I had, I was responsible for sourcing the parts and helping find, you know, this is the correct part for what we were doing. This is the part that blew my mind. They are $9.99 at Sweetwater, which is free shipping. So, you know, worthwhile. But if you have the, uh, the, uh, the Stu Mac deal where you get the free shipping, they were $8.84. They were cheaper at Sweet or at Stu Mac. I know that's the shock, right? How in the hell is Stumac ever cheaper than Sweetwater? It's impressive. Of course, you would have to add the uh, shipping to Stumac. But if you guys, like I said, if you have the uh, shipping deal, free shipping deal, you can save a buck going to Stumac. And I'm sure that's the last place you would look to save a buck. Um, but I was, when I was looking at them and doing the research for these, that's what I found. So there you go. Um, so there you go. That's the, uh, that's the answer to your question. The next question that came in says... Hey, Phil, this, uh, this came in through the email uh, at, uh, uh, at knowyourgearpodcast.com. You can click there and ask questions, and they're either going to be maybe featured here on the show or maybe featured as an entire video. Um, and uh, so, I mean, uh, like I said, so we can't unfortunately respond to those questions. We try if sometimes if it's something we think we can, um, but most of the time we, instead of responding, it's just here. You can answer it here or you can answer it in the videos. Um, so what was the question? The question was they were <laughs> this <laughs> they wanted to know what was the most disgruntled customer I ever had and how did I deal with it? Um, and I'm sure that's more about my personality. They want to know how I reacted to somebody freaking out and what in the world did they did did they do, right? Um, so here's the deal. I always said this before. I'm always cautious to tell old customer stories because those customers were important to me. And uh, most of them are my friends to this day. They watch this show. They hang out with me. I just had dinner with two of our, uh, our uh, some of our dearest customers on Tuesday. And uh, and uh, I should say ex-customers, but still, they're still our friends and they were our customers. Um, but anyways, my whole point is, is that in this story, uh, I, I guess I would say, when I think the first thing that came to my head, I have to share because... This was an extremely disgruntled person, and technically, I'm going to say they're not a customer because they didn't buy anything. Uh, so here's the story. Most disgruntled customer, and how do I deal with it? Maybe not what you were asking for, but it's what you're going to get. Uh, we we had some, uh, like all stores, we had policies, and one of the policies we had was anyone could touch the guitars. We didn't have a do not touch. We didn't have like don't touch signs. We experimented throughout the years. Like every once in a while, like somebody would drop some guitars or steel guitars, or something would happen that would suck, and maybe I'd get in a mood and we'd put like a please ask before handling tag on some of the guitars. Um, but I hated those, and so as soon as I was normal again in my mind, you know, because it's a, when I say normal, I mean, once I was past whatever financial hurdle we lost from whatever happened that some customer did, and, and that wasn't even all the time. I'm just saying, just in case anyone ever saw some of those tags, we did have them on and off throughout the years, but very rarely. Um, but most of the time it was just handle the guitars as you want. And so the way we did it was, uh, when you walked in our store, the first thing you saw was me. I was always, uh, behind a workbench. You could see me working on your guitar. If you wanted to watch me work on your guitar, you were right there. I had a little plexig shield, like a sneeze guard. I'm not making this up. Uh, just so people wouldn't reach over, believe it or not, 
uh, people reach over and they'll, you know, they could hurt themselves try thinking they're going to pick up a part or something or ask me a question and they burn on their hand on my soldering iron or something, something like that. So I'd have a little plexi shield, but you could sit there and watch and talk to me because the plexi shield went up to like here and it was clear. So you see me. And, uh, the first thing you saw when you walked in the store was me and I was working on guitars. So this kid, I say kid, I don't know. He could have been 15. He could have been 30. I don't know. He, uh, he came in the store and, uh, and, uh, he walked up to, uh, I remember it was a PRS uh, single cut, uh, so pricey guitar, and he turned, because it was on the wall, he turned to us, there was three of us in the store, plus some customers, and uh, said, can I try this guitar, play this guitar, or something to that effect. And Warren, uh, who was the employee at the time, uh, said, yeah, he goes, when you're done with it, just bring it to the counter and I'll wipe it down and tune it up and put it back, because that's what we did. We let you play the guitars, but then we always took them, wiped them down, tuned them up, and put them back because it's hard to stay on top of that. In fact, we used to have a portable cart that we built that was like industrial, it was real strong. And we would give like the kids that would take lessons at our store because there's a lot of, especially teenage kids, they wanted to make a little extra money. Like, especially if they came an hour early or hour late for the lessons, we'd pay them like 10 bucks an hour. This is back when minimum wage was seven and 10 bucks an hour to just go and tune as many guitars and wipe them down as many guitars that they could find out of tune and, and dirty. Uh, before or after their lessons, you know, a little way from them to make a little scratch and a little bit, you know, keep us on, try to keep on top of the inventory. And uh, so anyways, this, uh, so Warren tells the kid, uh, yeah, just when you're done, bring it to the counter, wipe down. He goes, well, I can put it back. And Warren's like, yeah, no, no, no problem at all, man. Just, you, it's not, not a big deal. Just that, you know, you can play as many guitars as you want. Just when you're done, just bring them to the counter and I'll put them back on the wall. Okay. So the kid picks up the guitar and he plays the guitar for a little bit and he gets up and he just puts it right back on the wall. So Warren, who's like, you know, very, I don't want to say introverted, but he's not like a, you know, outgoing guy. Warren walks over to get the guitar. And then the, I don't really know what's happened. I don't know. I mean, I saw it. I don't remember what specifically the kid said to Warren, but I remember like the kids, like I didn't do anything to it or whatever. And Warren's like, no, it's totally good, man. You're totally good. Uh, and he goes like, if you want to try another guitar, you try another guitar. So the kid picks up another guitar. Warren just wipes it down real quick, tune, you know, tunes it, puts it back on the wall. The kid's playing a second guitar. Same thing. The kid puts it back on the wall. So Warren's like, Warren doesn't say anything. Just Warren just goes to get the guitar to wipe it down and tune it up. And then the kid says uh, something to the effect of, again, something like he didn't do anything to the guitars and... Uh, and then he proceeds to tell us off. Like he told us off. Like he was harsh. He was like, he was like, F you guys, screw this place. I don't understand what's going on here. And um, he said, I remember, here's where I remember the, the, the thing that, that was funny to me. Uh, the kid had holes in his jeans, holy jeans. And he goes, I, he goes, what are you, because I have holes in my jeans. You guys uh, don't think I can touch guitars or whatever. And then my wife, who was behind the lesson counter, comes around the side of the counter and she goes, and she was wearing holy jeans. She goes, I wear holy jeans. Like this is what people that come to music stores look like. I don't understand what's going on. I think he had a skateboard too. I can't remember. And so, <laughs> so the kid is very disgruntled and I just stopped what I'm doing. I said to him, Hey man, no issues, man. If you want to play guitars all day, just play guitars all day. I don't care what you do. And, uh, he basically tells me off, you know, there's words like curse words and stuff, anger. And he like gleaves, but he does the hard push out the door. Okay. So he's gone. We all kind of look at each other like that was weird. There's a customer stores like that was weird. Right. 
And then he comes back. It's like maybe five minutes, not even a couple minutes. He comes back in. He walks in the door. And I said, oh, you're back. I'm glad you came back, man. Hey, like I said, no issues. And he goes, I left my phone. And I said, oh, yeah, that happens all the time here. Um, and uh, I said, because all the amps are black, you know, the phones are black. And it's like people leave them on our amps all the time. It's probably on that row of amps right there. And Warren's like, I'll help you. And then the kid pulls a gun on us. And so th then as soon as the kid pulls the gun, and I think he points it at me. I can't remember who he was pointing it at. Or maybe he pulled it up like this. I think it was pointed down. Right. And uh, and uh, I remember going, oh, man, really? Don't do that. That's just a bad idea. Right. And uh, he yells, he curses uh, at us some more. And I said, look, man, I'm trying to just calm him down. I said, look, man, like, uh, you know, no worries, but you got to, you know, don't do that. Right. Because and then uh, so he leaves. So as soon as he walks out and this is kind of why the story may be interesting. Uh, obviously, that's a very disgruntled person. So what was crazy to this day is this. Here's something we learned that day that we didn't know. So when he leaves, he was walking towards um, the record store that was in the shopping center. And my wife goes, you think we should call the police and tell, you know, tell them the kids walking around the shopping center with a gun? And I said, yeah, I think we should. So I called the police and um, here's what I didn't know. Behind our store was a school. In fact, it was three o'clock in the afternoon. And so all the parents were there for pickup. Here's what I learned about apparently guns near schools. They locked down the entire school behind us. We didn't do anything. They just did it, right? They seriously came in and like quarantined the area and they found him and uh, he had a gun. <laughs> so uh, long story short, uh, that kid got in a lot of trouble. Um, so I would say, I'm not saying that's the most interesting disgruntled story. But I'm going to say, I don't know of anyone else that was so disgruntled that they pulled a weapon on us. That was the only time somebody ever pulled a gun. Um, and uh, and uh, I'm and I just remember like it really, really was weird and it was horrible. And uh, and I think also to this day, I think I I don't know. I don't know that kid. I, I obviously I don't know him, but I always think like. I, I kind of re always replay like how it all went down. And I really feel like we kept coming at him nicer, like kid glove more, like, you know, letting him know, like, he's, he's good to go. He's fine. But I don't know why he was so uptight and tense, but, uh, yeah, so that was probably the most disgruntled customer. So that's the answer to that question. Uh, what else do we got? Uh, Gil says, Hey, Phil, last week, uh, you may, I made him dig out his power block. I have a power, the power block. That's right. <laughs> A lot of people have been talking about the power block since I pulled it out and got it. Uh, he says, I still haven't used it only when purchased. Will it push a 412? Oh, man. We're not even like trying. It pushes a 412. Uh, I'm going to test it with an Ampeg base cabinet with a base. It'll play a base cabinet as well. Um, so you guys know, I could tell you, well, I mean, you know, I mean, exact, not exact, but this 50, huh, this 50 watt Friedman uh, small box, small box, and this create power block um i can run them through the same cabinet and uh and they're equally as loud as each other without any doubt maybe the freedman when i get that last bit of loud is a little clearer and not as you know like you know solid steady pushed but they're equally as loud you can hang that that power block will hang with any 50 watt tube amp that you can imagine they even made a special cabinet for that crate power block that was a 100 watt selection speaker so um 
Yes. So, so yeah, the answer is you can totally do that. All right. Um, let me, yeah. Um, you know, it's funny. Somebody said, that's a scary story. They're talking about the kid and the gun. You know, one thing we, I could tell you was it happened so fast and it was so weird. Like I said, he, when he pulled his weapon, it's not like he was robbing us. Like I would, I was like, if someone was robbing me, I think I would react a certain way or there would be a certain way. Like he was trying to just show us that he has a gun, like give me respect, I have a weapon. And so in that, I wouldn't say, and I'm thinking back cause I'm trying to think like, I wouldn't say like, oh, we all were afraid for our lives. And also we weren't like, this is totally okay. It was neither of that. It was somewhere in between like, this could get dangerous fast cause he's obviously pulled a weapon. But it wasn't like, I didn't feel like he was going to shoot us, like he was that mad, like crazy, you know, kid about to shoot people. I got the feeling like he was going to, he, and I really believe, believe it or not, I might have triggered that. And I'm getting not excusing him by any means. I mean, remember, he went to jail, so I don't think he was too happy. Uh, the, um, I think the uh, cell phone thing was really embarrassing for him. And I, and I'm not saying this is uh, his excuse, but I'm saying I was overly nice when he came back because I was, you know, because I feel bad for the kid and maybe me overly nice. Maybe, maybe he read that as sarcasm or maybe I just, maybe it was just irritating him even more. I'm not really sure. But, uh, but of course my main concern once was, was to get him out of the store. So that's why I was like, man, please. You know, I said, uh, I didn't say please. I remember I said something like, man, don't do that. That's a bad idea. I remember that's the first thing I said, because I because I remember the first thing I thought before anything got bad was he's in a sh lot of trouble. <laughs> so. Uh, uh, I, I don't know how to say the name. Uh, Avi Bis Avi Boss says, hey, did you ever carry those import guitars that were shaped like machine guns? We didn't carry those. Um, you know, one thing that we. Uh, did was uh, our our store was a lesson academy and store mixed in one. So you had a huge uh, lesson academy. We was, it was hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of students. And of course, by by nature, they're going to be mostly young, mostly young kids. So we just made a decision, you know, as a business, uh, we didn't carry any guitars that we could think that were in your offensive in any way. So if they had pentagrams, we didn't do it. And if it, and again, so you guys know, I'm not showing any kind of belief system here. I'm just saying we just were like, you know, as a business, like, uh, so, you know, I, 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 I always thought maybe we were being a little over the top about that. Like no guns, no guitars that look like guns, nothing like that. But believe it or not, um, we were in business for, I think nine years, the year I decided, I don't know what possessed me to do this, but in like nine years in business, I decided to decorate for Halloween. <laughs> I don't know why we never did it before. I just, one year was like, I think it was because we were working so much and maybe we couldn't decorate the house. And I was like, I'm going to decorate the house for our store for Halloween. So I decorated the store for Halloween and it was a lot like how you would decorate like classrooms, you guys are old enough people are old enough to remember when they used to decorate your classrooms. I don't know if they still do that. Uh, I think now they do Harvest Festival or something, right? So I had, but I had like those foam skulls, right? And then I had like witch, witches posters or, you know, little cardboard cutouts and, you know, orange and black streamers. And I'll never forget this. Um, I decorated the store. I was so proud of myself <laughs> for doing this. And my wife's like, I don't think it's a good idea. I'm like, I don't know. It's Halloween. And uh, the first day, 
<laughs> it was fine all day. No one said anything. And then uh, like in the afternoon, the first uh, groups of students start coming in and one of the moms comes in and she's like, what's, what's with this? And I said, uh, I said, we decorated for Halloween. She's like, and she goes, uh, oh no, that's not what happened. She walks in and she goes, I usually drop and pick him off. That's what she said. I usually drop and pick him off. I never come in. Does it always look like this in here? And I was like, no, I decorated for Halloween. Because <laughs> I guess she thought the store always had Halloween stuff. And I was like, no, it's just for Halloween. It's just just Halloween. And then uh, she was obviously very upset. I think we lost her as a student. I think uh, like they didn't come. I think they had one lesson left or two left in the books. And then they never came back again. And they were coming for months. So I was like, oh, well, maybe. What do you know? What are you going to do? You know, the, the, this is what you do when you're in business. You try things. And uh, <laughs> so I... Like I said, I don't know, man. I don't know. It's a weird subject to talk about. Let's get back to guitar stuff. Um, uh, let's see something else. Uh, another question I got was the Kiesel output jack issues. Uh, so this came in emails to me. And then, of course, it was on the uh, uh, on the patron forum and uh and then uh uh today so i figured uh, we'll talk about it so if you're if you guys don't know if you're interested uh so kiesel came out with a new guitar it's an aries but it's in the uh, it's the version two right it's an a2 it's a it's a version it's behind me right here there's one right here they sent this one for me to check out it's still here um and uh one of the things uh, if you watch my live uh unboxing i did a really honest opened you know, like reaction video. So like, it's just me reacting to the guitar. And in there, I remember looking at it. And if you watch that reaction video, you'll see me like, oh, oh, the output jacks on the back. That's a little different. And you see me mess with it, stand and sit down and do all the stuff and try to find a way for it to bump me and bug me. I've been playing the guitar since that video. I've had no issues, but um, I, I've seen uh, where I guess uh, the, according to these, uh, the comments and questions came in was some people were saying like, I guess if you sling it down low or if you play classical, the, the output jack, uh, the position of it in the back of the guitar, the cable can bump you. And so um, I guess yesterday, which was, I thought was really cool, um, Kiesel Guitars announced that they're going to put two output jacks on the guitar, one at the bottom and one behind it. And um, this is the standard feature now. And uh, so you guys know that has no effect on the guitar. It it's like... It wouldn't, you know, nothing. It wouldn't matter if you plug two things in. It wouldn't matter if you plug either one. It doesn't matter. But the um, the point is uh, really impressive. I have to say how impressed I am with, look, that's going to happen. You're going to design something and then there's going to be an issue. As a as a content creator of, of reviews, I mean, constantly coming across issues. And, you know, I'm going back to the companies. And most of the time, there's a pushback with a company. Um a lot, you know, not 50% of the time is so safe to say 50% of the time. It's the, the issue is blamed on you, the customer, like you're just not doing it right. You don't know how to hold it. Who cares about that one way? There's always this kind of pushback. And so I thought it was really cool when I heard there was an issue, I was like, oh no. And then when I saw that they had fixed it, like in 24 to 40 hours of basically of hearing it, I might have my numbers off. I mean, it was a week later, but I got the impression from when I saw it happen really quick, but it was really cool to see it get corrected really quick and in a really cool way because I think that's an interesting way to fix that and uh, and and kind of like, you know, deal with it. Me personally, like I said, since I'm playing the guitar, I've, I've played it everywhere. I can play it. 
you've seen the way I hold a guitar. I sit mostly like most everybody now that makes content. <laughs> Very rare do you see people standing. I think I can only think of like two or three channels on YouTube that do guitar uh, videos that stand. Um, and uh, standing, I had no issues. Sitting, I had no issues. But I, ge I guess I don't sling it down low because I can't play if it's down low. Um, and uh, and also uh, classical style is not a position I tend to play in very often if I'm, you know, unless I'm demonstrating something. So I thought that was really cool. A little cool little thing and an update. And uh, my understanding is, I guess, if you ordered one of those guitars, don't worry about anything. They're just going to they're going to put the two outbed jacks on it. And then that way you're 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 good. And if for some reason you bought one and got one, but I don't know how you would get one so fast, but maybe you did. Um, if you send it back, they'll pay for everything and they'll add the out their output jack. So. So I thought that was cool. A little update there. I think what's nice about that is to me, I kind of picture that's the. Uh, that is what we all hoped social media like period, but especially in the guitar platforms uh, would do or does do, um, which is, you know, uh, customers have an issue instead of waiting months and months and months or years to find out there's a problem. It's just instantaneous. And then the company works instantaneous with the customers and everybody's got the same goal. They're, you know, they want to sell you a nice product and you want to buy a nice product. It seems like such an easy environment to work in, you know, I, I have access to people so fast. Um, and uh, and then ha and then react to it. I, I, I give them applause for that. That's really cool. And uh, and I mostly applaud that, not because I have any agenda to help Kiesel out, but also because if there's other companies listening, pay attention. That's a good move, you know. So pay attention to that move. Uh, Martin says, I think it's Martin. Martin says, so you can plug in two amps. Yeah, you can output to two amps. The way it would work is it just it's not stereo. It's two mono outputs, so it would send two signals out. It's no different than a um like using an ab like a passive ab box that would have no volume controls or no nothing except for there wouldn't you know uh and i mean a really passive one like kind of like the morley one not so much the basic morley one not so much like the uh radial stuff that has a little transformer in there but yeah it wouldn't matter at all sorry guys i'm just looking to make sure everything's okay uh it wouldn't matter at all it works uh perfectly so yeah you absolutely could send out two signals if you want absolutely so if you wanted to run uh, you know, one to a clean amp and one to a dirty amp or two different amps. It, it just, you couldn't obviously shut one amp off or anything. It's not like an AB switch back and forth, but you have, you have two outputs. So yeah, and it wouldn't matter. Okay, so. Um, oh, Kiesel Guitars. <laughs> Either Kiesel Guitars is saying something or somebody's got skills that says, yes, you can use both output jacks at the same time. The guitar will uh, come standard with two output jacks, but you can call or email if you wait, you can call or email in if you would prefer just to have the jack in the back. Oh, OK. So you can delete the uh, the extra bottom one or you can have both. Oh, get both guys like that's a no brainer. I mean, wh why not? Right. I always say I always love and I love and right. So you can have this and that, then always take the and. Why not? It's it's uh, why have less options if it has no negative effects. Um, thank you for uh, clarifying on top of that what I said too, but that's pretty cool. Uh, so let's. What's the next thing? <laughs> we have a lot of questions, a lot of subjects. Uh, I thought I was uh, today. I'm like I uh, I'm like I don't know if today's going to be a heavy damn question. Would anybody talk about that stuff? Scratchy pots. What a great sign on. Oh, scratchy pots. That's great. I love it. 
Okay, he says, hey Phil, I would uh I would like some I would like some attenuator options. I have a Supro Black Magic uh reverb. That's a great amp. 25 watts and 8 ohms. Looking at the Iron Man 2 Mini, that's the way to go, in my opinion. I mean, it's hard to beat. Uh it's uh I think it's rated what 30, 40 watts. You can run it passive or or run power. So if you run power, it's just for the, it has a it has a light to tell you when the boost is engaged, or you can just run it passive and sit around the amp, which I love. I love, I love the idea again. And I like the idea I can have, you know, the light option if I want, if I need to, you know, on stage and if I'm at home, who cares, then I'll run it passive. Um, what are, what are the options? Uh, you know, in my, I'm not going to give you anything I like better than that. That's my favorite for that. If you just want a good attenuator at a more reasonable price. I can't say cheap because it's not cheap, but it's reasonable. Um, me, if I wasn't going to get an Iron Man 2, I would definitely look at the uh, Two Notes Captor X. I love that. I have one of those. Uh, that's great if you want to take that amp and and then now plug it into your interface or a PA system and you have more options than the Iron Man. Um, it doesn't sound... To me, the Iron Man sounds better than the Captor X when it comes to attenuation, how well it attenuates. And it's variable where... The Captor X is kind of like a selective thing. You're like, this is good. Oh, it's a little too loud. Oh, it's too quiet. Okay, that'll kind of work. Like, you always feel like you're not getting exactly where you want. But it, again, it's it's got other features like those IRs and stuff. Um, and then, of course, you know, there's my favorite, the Ox. I'm a, I'm a big fan of the Ox. Um, I, 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 uh, the Ox is just a crazy amount of money. It's that That's the obstacle of the Ox. I could... I could I hope UA's got such great talent there and they got such great products. Like I, I keep hoping deep down they'll make a, a cut down version of the ox, you know, um, because you know, there's a lot of things you don't need. Um, the ox is not my favorite attenuation sound, but man, it's just so good. It's a good product. It's just sounds good. It's easy. And it's really made for someone like me. It's really dummy proof. Like, you know, like I, I reviewed the aux and in there I talked about the fact that, yeah, you can't customize a whole lot of stuff. You can't put your own IRs and IRs in there. And um, and therefore, that's why I said for a fraction of the price, you could get a Captor X by two notes and you got, you know, you got a great product and you've got a lot of money in your pocket still, which is great. But I still locked the aux, even with the things I hate about the aux, which is I hate that they use a proprietary, a proprietary cable. I absolutely hate that idea. Um, it's large. And like I said, the attenuator itself is variable. It's, it's not variable, but selective, but it's fine, but it's not the best sounding. I think the Iron Man sounds better, but I don't know what it is. I I've been trying to like quantify in my head and also explain like why, not only why I like the ox, but when you see the ox everywhere, right? I mean, you see it everywhere. I mean, not just like, you know, every YouTube channel and stuff like that. I mean, literally I see it every stage. Every time I turn around, there's an ox on a stage. It's just a good product product. It's built well. So I like that. I like the Airman. I like the Capture X. I've I obviously I like a Rivera stuff. I mean, I could go all day all the products I like, but those three products are the products that I love and use and have been using since I got them. So nothing's replaced those products uh with me. So uh I'm not old, I'm vintage said UA st set the standard. Yeah, it's weird. Um, and, and I'm going to trigger some people because that's what you do, unfortunately. UA Aux totally reminds me of Apple products. It's expensive for what it is, <laughs> right? The value proposition kind of sucks because I feel like it's a lot of money 
and you can get like a lot of stuff for less that's even equal or better in qual quality and in options. It's a lot of proprietary stuff like dongles. <laughs> it's got its own damn cable, right? Just like Apple. It's like the Ox follows the business, the Apple business model. However, and this is just where I said people get triggered because everybody has their like fanboy thing for whatever. Here's the thing with Apple products for me. I don't, I don't care about anything else other than I've never had any of them break, right? They don't break. They kind of like retire. You just get your Apple products just so old that you go, I think I'll just get a new one. And then it goes and, and dies in a drawer somewhere in your house or you get, you know, you, and in fact, in our family, there's like a hierarchy to Apple. It kind of like I get new Apple product because <laughs> I can justify it for work means and stuff. And then when I get new Apple product, it kind of goes down a tier, right? And then it goes down and like it ends up the kids and then it ends up the like the kids' friends or whatever, you know, like so it's like a hierarchy. Oh, grandparents, right? It goes to grandparents. But it never really goes bad for me. Again, like I said, people are gonna have problems, but I'm telling you, it's like, if you have kids, like I've seen, I've gone through so much tech, uh, the Apple stuff just takes a, a, a beating. It takes a beating. And that's how the ox is. It just is like that. Again, also just like Apple, very limited in like, I can't do all the stuff I wanna do with some of the Apple products, <laughs> right? And and that's that's my analogy for that. And again, uh, and if that sounds like something you don't like, well, then I hope I think I articulated it correctly. That's kind of how I feel about those products. So I use them. I don't love everything about them, but for some reason, there's something about it that works and it's just enough for me and also dumbed down, right? I like it very dumbed down. Just plug in. Um, so you guys know on my aux, <laughs> it's kind of a funny story. One of the things that suck about the aux, and I talked about this in review is you to, to change the internal settings, which you can't upload your own. You got to use their internal settings. It doesn't even use Bluetooth, it uses Wi-Fi. And you have to get an, I, I think I had to have an Apple product. So I had to have a tablet or an iPad. And then you go into it, Wi-Fi and set everything. And I was like, this sucks. And I think when I did the review, I even mentioned like, that was one of the things that bugged me. I was like, man, more crap I got to deal with. Here's what I can tell you. I think that video was at least a year ago. It's probably two years ago. I have not changed anything on my aux. My aux stays like, I don't know if you, oh, you can see it right behind me. It's right there. What, whatever I did the day I bought my aux, well, actually I experimented with a few hours with it, but whatever I did to my aux a year or two ago when I got it, it's still like that and I'm still totally happy. Like it's just, I turn it on and I go. So that's my praise for it. And that's all the things I found wrong with it. And then, like I said, so I'm just telling you, so if you like what you heard, maybe get one. If you are like, hey, I don't wanna pay a lot of money for not a lot of <laughs> options. Well then go ahead and get uh, go to two notes. Uh, AC wants to know, Phil, what is your Apple guitar? That's a great, that's a great question. Like what's a guitar that, that I would say is like Apple products? Uh, I don't know. I, I, I mean, I'll tell you my first thought is PRS. Cause it's like, okay, it's a lot, of, it's a lot of money for what it is. It's priced a little higher than other categories sometimes. Um, and again, I'm going off my personal guitars. I can't talk about the world of guitars that I don't have access to or don't own. Um, I, without like seriously knowing, you know, for sure. Cause it's, it's such a, or I would say PRS is my, uh, it's like an Apple product to me. It's a lot of proprietary stuff, right? Um, that would be my guess that, I don't know. And again, don't read too much into it. Cause it was just off the cuff. Um, let's see. Hmm. Dougal dog says Parker, but it's hard to pick on Parker cause they're gone. Um, 
The uh, I got the other Parker video coming soon too. Uh, Octopus here says, "Hey Phil, have you ever played a King of Tone? I have a, a review of the King of Tone Imperial, um, and uh, that that video is one of my favorite amp videos. Like I I never saw myself as an amp review channel. Like I never saw myself as a pedal review channel. I always like I'm a guitar channel, and then I would you know obviously everything that surrounds the guitar I try to do videos of." And that was one of the few amp videos I did where I was like, I nailed it. I feel so good. Like, I'm just telling you, cause it's like very rarely do I make a video and I go, that was good. <laughs> Most of the time I watch the video, I do the video and I go, that's horrible. I don't know why I did that video. Uh, and, uh, that video felt good. Cause I feel like I, I really was on a mission to understand that amp. And I think that video, uh, did it. So yeah, King of Tones, great stuff. So, so, oh wait, King of Tone. Have I played a King of Tone? I'm thinking Tone King amps. Have I played a King of Tone? What's the King of Tone? Is that different than Tone King? Now I see I'm rambling off. That's like, I feel like I'm dyslexic right now. There's a Tone King and a King of Tone. Oh, you're talking about, you're talking about the analog uh, pedal King of Tone. Oh, okay. See, now I know. Uh, so the question is, uh, see, I don't, is that the brand? No, it's Analog Man. Yeah, so King of Tone is the pedal, okay. Uh, have you ever played a King of Tone? Yes, I've had the Prince of Tone and the King of Tone. I sold them both. They were very, very, very good. And I sold them for three times, maybe four times what I paid for them. <laughs> so this ties in, and this might help you, okay? So Octopus here is this will help you with your question since you asked, because I got a question that came in email. And, uh, and I told you guys, when you send email questions, sometimes I just like the question when uh, like they're reading it to me and I go, yeah, let's do that on the show or let's do it as a video. And then sometimes they just, I look at the folders, we have folders and there's a lot of that question in the folder. Uh, the question was, uh, somebody asked, hey, Phil, you said you don't, you sold a ton of pedals. The question was, how many pedals do I have and what pedals do I keep, so to speak, and keep using? And this actually is an easy question for me. So at one point, I know I had 300 pedals. I might've had 400 pedals, okay? At least 300, at least. Um, obviously, keep in mind, like I said, when I started my channel, I had my store. So, you know, I had a lot of pedals because that's what happens. A lot of times people trade in pedals and, you know, you get pedals dirt cheap. You know, and that's how it works. Um, and I would just have pedals for that reason. And then, of course, when the pedal craze happened, I jumped on it like everybody else because it was fun to experiment and stuff. And I kind of feel like I taught myself everything I wanted to learn about pedals and stuff. Um, so now, uh, now that I've purged a lot of pedals and I'm kind of like focused on what I have, um, I didn't count how many pedals I have, but I can, I can tell you with all certainty that I don't have more than 30. 30 would be rounding up. And if I have 30, it's 31 or 32. I mean, but 30 pedals. And the reason I say that is because I have a little plastic tote. It's, uh, the size of a large shoebox, and it's full of pedals. And I can tell you, cause it's like three across times three. So that's nine. There's gotta be two rows, right? So there you go. There's 18. And see, and then I have the pedals that are outside that thing. So that's how many pedals I currently own. Uh, now, what pedals am I currently using? Well, I have, I have, I have a bunch of pedal boards, which are crazy. They're not full; they're just empty. Um, I, the, uh, but there's uh, the main pedal board that I play is this one. If I use pedals, and it's this one. So let's share. This is my main pedal board. I'm gonna try and not jack this up. There you go. I'm gonna hold it like this. That way I can see it too. <laughs> Look down. Sorry, I didn't think about camera angles today. So uh, first I have my Taurus pedal. That's the boost pedal. This is, I absolutely love this thing. Um, I did mention on the show that they sent me, they have a new one. And 
so far, even I said this last time, I'm saying it again, I was even using it again and again. I, I like the new one. It's fine. I like it. I just, I don't, you know, it's one of those, like, it's fine. <laughs> it's just, I just don't, I, I like the first one. The first one works perfect. So I use the Taurus pedal as a boost and it's everything. It's a, it's the thing that I just love. Then I have the Tremolo, the Boss uh, TR2 uh, Tremolo pedal. This is absolutely my favorite Tremolo pedal. I have a couple other Tremolo pedals. I don't know what it is about the Boss one. I just feel like it doesn't color the sound as much. It's just what I like. I've been using it forever. And so, you know, that's why Know Your Gear is a statement that I said. And that's what Know Your Gear is about is I just know it. I, I've been using it for so long that even if I go, yeah, that one sounds a little better. I'm just so used to knowing how this is going to react to amps and how everything. I just like it and use it. In fact, I think I rest this on my shoulder. Look at that. It's going to be easier. Like a, remember back in the day, like a boom box. Okay. So then I have my, one of my absolute favorite distortion pedals of all time, the 5150 uh, Overdrive. Uh, why? I love that it has a noise gate. I love that I don't run the gain full blast, but I use the boost. Um, and I roll, roll the volume off my guitar. I love this pedal. I love this pedal. I love this pedal more than the actual amp. Um, I think the amp sounds good, especially if you run a uh, kind of boost in front of it and uh, a noise gate, and this pedal has that. And then uh, the Friedman. This uh, this changes out. This is a, uh, what do you call it? Wild card pedal. It will change out to the LPD-87 on the regular, right? So it, depending on the, you know, the time you see the board, uh, like these, this is standard. This is standard. This is pretty standard, but like I said, this is a swap out. Uh, OD11, the OD11, I could swap that out for my Zen Drive or the LPD68. Uh, uh, it'll change out pretty often, but it's pretty a regular thing. This is by Love Pedals. They don't make this anymore. It's funny, funny story about this. Is this I think it's like a copy of like a Zen Drive type pedal. I'm not really sure, but I tend to like it better than the real pedal, whatever it's copied, if that's the thing. Uh, then, of course, Love Pedals uh, Purple Plexi. Uh, absolutely love this pedal. I've had the one with the boost and I've had all the iterations and they're all the same to me, a little different here and there, but this is the one I use. This is how I get the crunch sound. And then I use the, uh, Atlantic, uh, uh, new X and, uh, this is uh reverb and delay. And, uh, I changed the knobs on this one cause I just thought it looked cooler with these knobs. And I have another one of these that I use when I put it into the back of amps and the effects loop. So I have two of those. And then sometimes I'll use the, uh, caverns by Keeley for a reverb delay. But this is pretty much the pedal board, and it stays in this. These pedals are pretty much what I go to. So that's that's what I use. Um, and then the box of pedals is all the weird pedals that I just think it's a bad idea to get rid of. Like, as you guys know, I, li I love the Line 6 uh, uh, M1. Is it the M1? What I mean? oh, M5. M5, right? Uh, so it's just, like I said, it has a hundred pedals built in it. I can use that. I have a ZFX fuzz. I have a, a, a big muff mini, you know, fuzz, right? Um, so just a couple pedals that are off, like, uh, uh, two was, um, so stuff like that. Uh, EQ pedal, of course, you know, right? So that's pretty much what it is. Um, and I, I tend not to use a whole lot of pedals very often and nothing wrong with that at all. Nothing wrong with pedals or... So, so, RD says Strymon Big Sky is awesome. Yeah, I really, I really defaulted to loving the idea of having reverb and delay in the same pedal. Um, I don't know why. I just like the, the concept. Um, not so much on a pedal board. It's not really important to me, but I really like having one pedal 
that I can stick in the effects of an amp and I have reverb and delay in the amp. And I love that idea. So there you go. And uh, if I recall, my, uh, my thing with the new X pedal is I like the I like the delay on the new X better than the caverns. I like the re reverb on the caverns better than the new X, but more importantly, I like, um, I like the function of the new X, but I like the overall sound, the fullness of the caverns. So I kind of mess with them again. That's I'll swap those two, but notice, like I said, all these pedals, when I say I'm swapping, I'm just swapping to like, I have one or maybe two other versions of the same type of pedal and it could, and it's probably not the pedals. Um, so, uh, red eyed flutist says, where's the wall? I have two wall pedals. Now I used to have a ton of them. I have two was I have a um Dunlop um what do I have I have the Dunlop Clyde McCoy uh wall which I absolutely love I think it's a great wall I never use it <laughs> I never use it um and uh oh I lied I have three wall pedals uh and so here's what's funny so I have the uh, I have the Dunlop Clyde McCoy wall which is a great wall pedal and I have it just in case I ever need a traditional wall. I have a, a Morley Maverick, which is just a small uh, spring-loaded wall. That's what I use. If I use a wall, that's what I use. I mean, that Morley all the time. And then I have a third wall. I have a limited edition George Lynch wall that was sent to me by Morley. And uh, it's really cool because it's, uh, I think they did 300 of those pedals, or maybe they did 100. They did a really cool mini George Lynch pedal that was really cool and limited edition and uh long story short uh they sent it to me and it's uh it's like number 103 or 303 out of 300 so it's like uh, if you guys don't know it's very common uh in the industry uh in all industries but this industry specifically that when they do limited runs of like pedals or certain things like that they'll make a marketing product in other words they'll make like 10 or 15 outside of that number and it'll be for marketing. Like they'll send it to, you know, obviously YouTubers or artists or whatever. And that's what that obviously was. They made a limited run and then these are not for sale. And that makes it even cooler. Cause it's like, you know, uh, it's, it's, you know, you can't, it's not only a limited edition crabby, but our Morley Watt. So you can't even buy it. Cause it says right on it. It's hilarious. It says limited edition, like 303 of 300. <laughs> that's what I think it says on it, which is cool. And, uh, I think I remember, I think I got a guitar from a company once that said that, right? It said something like uh, one of 100 and it was like number 104 of 100. I'm like, huh? So there you go. There's my pedal collection we shared with show and tell. That was good. That was fun for me. Um, in fact, my pedal board's only put together. It's been a mess uh, for months and I haven't put it together, but I have a new video coming and I needed the pedal board for this video. I'm very excited about a, a product, a, an amp. I'm excited about an amp that I get to use these pedals to demo with. Uh, Kyle F, no, Kyle JF90 says, just the low E of my ratio locking tuner. So he's talking about ratio locking tuners. Ratio tuners are... Um, are sold by the company Graftech and they are uh, different ratios. So each each string has a different ratio, uh, uh, gear ratio. It says, okay, the low E ratio locking tuner uh, has, uh, back and forth has some play in it, even with the button tightened down. Is this normal? No, 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 no. Um, the ratio tuners are very fine tuners. They're more fine than normal. I think when I reviewed them once, I even mentioned that 
Uh, Phil X told me he hated them because, you know, he's so used to normal ratio, you know, normal gear ratios that that just was a little weird for him. Um, no, it should feel really smooth and perfect. So you might have a bad one. That's a pretty, yeah, I would, I would reach out to them. They are a pretty cool company, the GraphTech guys. Uh, uh, if you reach out to them, um, they don't, I don't know if they don't do social media anymore, but I used to work with them and it was great because they were like, they were the only sponsor ever for Sharp and Max. They were the only people who, like everybody else who was in the Sharp and Max series and to this day, most of everybody uh, is just happenstance. Like, you know, they didn't even know what they were doing. They just, you know, I got product and I go, okay, I can put this in a video and I'm going to put it in my Sharp and Max videos and stuff. But uh, GraphTech was one of the few companies where like they saw Sharp and Max and they go, I, so, you know, that's what I always thought was going to happen with that series. I always thought every company was going to come out of the woodwork. Well, like, we want to be promoted on that video series. And and uh, there's a Sharp Max coming this week. I'm excited. But same thing. It's, it's you know, there's no sponsors for it. We internally sponsored this one again. But the the um, the the guys at Ratio, uh, uh, Kyle, um, contact them. Uh, I would be shocked to hear if you didn't get... Uh, taken care of just tell them you're having an issue tell them what the problem is and uh i would imagine it does not sound right to me so if they if it is uh with intolerance i'll be shocked so my guess is they're just gonna send just a guess my guess they'll probably send you that one key just because just that's what i would imagine they would do that's what i would do if i was them just take care of you it's not that expensive to put it in an envelope a bubble envelope and send it out to you uh jenny what's up uh, congratulations, Ginny won. Pretty sure, Ginny, right? You won one of the snarks. We're not doing the snark giveaways today. It's a long story. We were supposed to do a gig bag thing. It got pushed off again. We've got a giveaway. We'll do it for next week. I know I keep pushing those off. That's two weeks in a row. I apologize for that. But again, I don't have the infrastructure to handle it today. Um, I don't have anybody to help me. I'm all alone today. <laughs> so, uh, Ginny says, hey, just wanted to say thank you for the snark tuner. Okay, Ginny, I think you won the snark tuner. Arrived today and works great. I'm I'm glad you loved it and uh, uh and uh and uh like I said we'll we'll do more. Trust me, we have lots more to do and stuff. Like I said, um it's just uh you know please understand I'm just focused on the show and next week I'll have help again. Uh, Vim sixty nine says hey Phil and KYG crew uh, phone the for the tone jar. We need tone. We need more tone. Is that what the tone jar is? It's just more tone. So if I get more money, I get more tone. That's that's gear math, right? More money, more tone. More money, more more tone, more problems. <laughs> I got too much tone. Uh, but thank you. I appreciate it, man. That was really cool. Uh, Lit Bay, he says, thanks for the Samic Corsair mini hint. Oh, nice. Impulse buy uh, with a price match. I love it. Also, it is great. So we were talking about the uh, Corsair mini uh, guitars and basses, mostly the basses, uh, last week. And he found one. That's awesome. Finally got in touch via website about the uh, Valiant certificate. Oh, cool, cool. Awesome. And... Um, if you did, if you went to the website, uh, Shauna isn't is uh, she's dealing with some other stuff right now. So once once she's back here, she will get on that. That's why there's no snark giveaways, like because because she's dealing with some stuff, and so I can't go. Hey, and by the way, I deal with this too. Uh, Mike says, "Hey, I got a Martin HD twenty eight twelve screen today. Congratulations! Looking for the best pickup for it. I am looking at the LR bags Hi Fi acoustic pickup. I think that's the new one that just came out, right?" Think they re released a new one are you familiar with it i am not uh do you recommend something else thanks for the advice I, look the lr i like lr bags so it's a simple easy answer uh what i can tell you is is that i do have a video let me see if i can look on the schedule 
I do have a video on that is supposed to be April 27th, and it is going to be demonstrating the Fishman pickups, two different Fishman pickups. It's not a um, it's not a Fishman review video, so it's not that. It's a acoustic review video. But in the uh, reviewing the acoustic, um, I had this idea. I thought it'd be cool. I reached out to Fishman guys and I asked them for two. Fishman pickup solutions. One is something where I'm going to be drilling into this acoustic and doing stuff. And one is where I don't have to do that to show you. And then AB that is in the process. It's kind of like, like I said, it's kind of like, it's not a, I'm not doing an official review of those products. I'm just, I wanted those products to show you guys in this acoustic, what you could do. So this, that might help you. That video by me might what you want. And if you don't go Fishman, that's fine, but at least you'll see the two different types of a pickup uh, pickups. Cause they have and I, because I believe LR bags has the same similar systems, the pop in kind, and then the ones you fully modify. What's up, Michael? Michael says, does anyone make a guitar tone pot in a pedal? Would that work? Uh, well, I mean, somebody had to have. The, the million dollar question that I can't answer because I'm just not, I'm not wired that way. In other words, there's nothing I've tested that would know. There might be a, an issue with some kind of like running all that guitar cable to a to a pedal first, right? I, I, I'm, I'm giving you, I'm, this is all conceptual and idea, right? I'm saying, yes, if you're asking me, can you take a potentiometer, put a, you know, a, a capacitor on it, stick it in a box, <laughs> right? Run a guitar cable through it, uh, you know, run it like a pedal passive because it wouldn't need any kind of uh, juice and then use it like a on off con tone control. Sure. Absolutely. You could build that in a second and it would totally work. The question is, and somebody's saying EQ pedal, that would be slightly different. I mean, let's think of a tone control as a very basic, very boring EQ pedal. Um, and maybe that's not exactly what he's going for. I think he's kind of like saying, Hey, instead of like, you know, turning my tone pot halfway, can I just set it on a pedal and then turn it on and off? You, you absolutely could. The question I don't know, here's what I don't know would it be different because you're running like 10 foot of cable between the guitar to the pot then to the, you know to the amp would that change it versus being right there in the guitar i don't i don't know i couldn't i don't foresee it being a massive difference but i wouldn't know i didn't test test it but as a can you do it yeah you could totally do it you can do it with a cardboard box you could just get a little ring box <laughs> drill a hole stick a pot in there wire it Right, wire uh, solder on the capacitor, run two output jacks or input, then output jack, solder to it, and run it as a pass through, uh, and and then uh, and then wire a little plunger as a bypass. Yeah, I mean you could build it in a cardboard box if it works. I would imagine it would do it. Um, of course, like everybody's saying, you can use an EQ pedal too. But I kind of I don't see an EQ pedal as being exactly the same. I'm sure it can mimic it because that's why I like EQ pedals. You can use them to mimic anything. But I would imagine. The tone control is what you're going after. It's like, I understand what you're saying. I think what you're, Michael's going after is sometimes I like to put a tone control in a sweet spot and be nice if I can just push a button and get out of it. You know what I would do before I would do a pedal on that if you had a guitar? You could make a bypass for your tone control, which is really cool. So if you used a, uh, I would use a push-push pot, but you could use a push-pull pot. But if you use a push-push pot on a tone control, you could set it up to where um, you set your tone control and then like push down right? And it will lock down. And then your tone control is on, let's say halfway, wherever you set it and you tap it, it would pop up and it would bypass. So you could do it with your hand in a second. It, and you would need almost no, this is not like an electrical engineering 101. This is as basic as basic can get. And I would actually think that would be faster and easier than trying to wire up a pot or a pedal. So there you go. That's my
my thought on that. Uh, Nathan just said, hey, I just paid $5 to say hi, I'm from the NAM. Hey, Nathan from the NAM. <laughs> this is funny. I hope you're having a good time at NAM. Uh, Nathan went to the show yesterday and today. I think he's going tomorrow. I'm not sure. Uh, Tom H says, hey, thanks for showing us the tremolo, buddy. I love that thing. And you know what? I agree with every comment about it ever. I read them all and I love them all. I love everyone who's like, I built this at Harbor Freight for a fraction of the price. Good for you. That's kind of like my, tr my channel is so weirdly at odds with each other. And I, and I love, I love doing the content that I like to do, even though sometimes I feel like I make a video and that video is at, at direct odds with another video. I mean, what I mean by that is here's a video where I'm like, for no money, here's how you fix your guitar. And then that makes me like, okay, cool. I'm a help you channel, you know, a help, a self, not self help, but a, you know, a, a fix and help channel. And then the next video, it's like, look at this expensive thing you can just buy. <laughs> and that's what I think about uh, videos like that is when I make those videos, like I said, I don't, I don't get anything if you buy those stuff, like none of this stuff. Um, there's affiliate links, but so you know, 90% of the time, those affiliate links are randomized to the point where there's no real cohesive thing, right? It's more about getting you to their websites than it is selling you that one product. That being said, I don't really have, I have very few deals where I'm getting paid if you buy stuff. So if you see something and buy it, good for you. If you see something and clone it and build your own, better for you. Do that. I could care less. So the Trimlo Buddy, if you guys didn't watch that video, it's a it's a product that this guy came up with. And it basically is one of those like, it feels like a you know late night TV sh uh, sh commercial uh, product where it's like, I solved this problem. It's really cool. I've been using it. Totally love it. They sent one to me. I obviously liked enough to do the video. So, you know, it's like a $30 thing and I did a whole video. You have to understand, you can imagine, you. I'm sure if you watch any YouTube videos, there's not a whole lot of YouTube channels with, you know, a quarter million subscribers doing videos for $30. So obviously I did it because I wanted to do that product. I thought it was cool, <laughs> right? So I did it. I'll, but I'll tell you, like, if they didn't send me one, I probably would have made one too. I mean, you know, Cause I could have made one for 10, 15 bucks, but also, I don't know. It's cool for 30 bucks. So I liked, I liked, like I said, I liked it. So I'm glad you liked it. And I'm glad, like I said, I love the comments. Some people are like, I love it. I got it. Like Tom, you love it. You got it. Awesome. Some people are like, I love it. And I made a, I made one, then make one, uh, made life easy. Yeah. It, me too. It, it's really a, it's so, it's such a good idea that you feel like I wish the guy could make money on the idea more than the actual product. <laughs> Cause the idea was great. Um, U21R87, hike, said, there's no hike at the end, but that's what I saw. Uh, he says, uh, which is the best deal? Okay, would I pick? Would you pick? He means me. Epiphone Limited Edition 1959 Les Paul. I, I reviewed that guitar. PRS DGT or PRS SE McCarty 594. So of those three guitars, I would buy the PRS uh, SE McCarty 594. Those of those three guitars. I reviewed all three of those guitars. I've deep dived all three of those guitars. I liked all three, but you asked me, which one would I pick? If I could pick one of the guitars that I went through of those three, I love the Dave Grissom guitar. It's fantastic. I think I slightly prefer the neck over the five nine four neck, but I like the five nine four. Um, why it, it's, it's at this point, it's, it's just a, a ton of practical reasons. One, um, well, I mean, the, the Epiphone comes with the case. That's nice. And the, and the, and the PRS comes with the gig bag. And that's also nice. I prefer gig bags of cases, but you know, uh, still are nice. I don't know what it is. I just like the five, nine, four better. 
So interesting enough, I'll tell you, I'll tell it to you like this. If you ask me, what would I pick a core DGT, a core 594 or a Gibson R9, I pick the Gibson R9. If you ask me if I pick the Epiphone 59 versus those two SEs, I'd pick the McCarty SE. There's no particular reason for like quality reasons to make that decision. It's just, I'm telling you of all the guitars I played, what I liked. For some reason, I like the 594. For, to me, and I guess, actually, maybe I can. I'm glad sometimes when I'm, I'm answering these questions, I try to keep going to see if I can actually flush out the thought I'm going to have. And here's exactly why I'm going to do it. I love the Epiphone uh, 1959. I think it's great. I think if you don't have $6,000, that's a great guitar. And if you get that, it's a great guitar. But for some reason, the SE594, when I played it, it felt so close to the real thing like really close, like the whole time I was playing it, it just felt and sounded so close to the real thing that it made me go, I don't know, do you need the real thing? The real thing being the super expensive thing. Where when I played the Epiphone 59, which is great, it didn't feel like the R9. It feels great, it sounds great, there's a lot of good things going on, but it's not the R9. It's just because of, of a physical, just the differences in the way they physically feel a little bit, so. Um, so that's, that's, um, that's what I would pick. So uh, Scott says, do you get to play them first? Do I get to play them first? Yeah. Do, oh, I guess as part of the question, do I get to check them all out first? Those, I don't know. Uh, in that scenario, I don't know. I'm just saying that's based on my reviews. That's what I would have picked. Yeah. Um, and that also, I might be colored. Oh, I should also warn you, you, you 21 <laughs> RW87. Um, I might be colored from the actual physical guitars I played. Cause when I think about those reviews, I remember liking the Dave Grissom, liking the 59 Les Paul, but I really like that SE McCarty 594. Uh, grumpy, my guitar says for the tone jar and why not? Hey, we need more tone. Do you have plans to do any factory tours in the not too distant future? I love the factory tours. Um, I, I don't, but I can tell you what I, I do want to do them. Yes, uh, absolutely. I talked about the, um, doing more when, when COVID, uh, kind of you know, subsided. Um, I would really like to do the Kiesel tour. Like I would like to tour Kiesel. I would like to do, um, like a shop like Nags. I mean, there's a lot of places I like to go little shops, bigger factories. So, um, I, I love doing the factory tours. I like it. So, you know, one of the things that's nice about stuff like that is that it's nice to make content. It's kind of like the Sweetwater visit I did last year. It's nice to make the content, like here's how they do the 55 points, here's the back story. What's really nice though is this live show every Friday. You guys are throwing all these random questions at me about all kinds of things. You know, it's like, I don't want to just pull stuff from my ass like, oh, I think this and I think that. I mean, it's nice to go like, oh, when I was there, like those three, that that question I just got from U21 R, uh, RW87, it's like, I've actually played and taken apart those three guitars. So I'm like, yeah, when he asked me the question, it's still my opinion, but at least it's based on something more than just my gut instinct or like a, you know, distant memory. It's something I can say I can pull from. So same thing. I like it when people ask me questions about companies and stuff and I'm like, yeah, I was just there and this is what it was like. So I'd like to do some more factory tours. Uh, absolutely. Um, Funky Groove, thank you for the super chat. Ray says thoughts on solo gig with just a strat thoughts on it like just doing a solo gig just you and a strat 
Sounds good to me. I guess in, in, in compared to what? Not doing an acoustic, like just having an electric guitar with a Strat? To me, a Strat is... Out of all the electric guitars, you think I would think the answer should be Telecaster, but it's not to me. When I think of an electric guitar that feels the most like an acoustic, it's a Strat. I think if you were to ask a lot of guitar players, I'm really curious. You guys can put the comments and I'll read them too. Um, when you think of an when you think of an electric guitar that makes you play and vibe like an acoustic, I'm not talking about a hybrid, so don't tell me like the Taylor T5. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about like an electric guitar. When I think of an electric guitar that vibes and makes me play and feel like an acoustic, it's always a Strat. It's like, for some reason, all the things I like about acoustic, the percussiveness, the feel, a Strat feels like that to me. Les Paul should, because it's kind of a big sounding guitar, but it's just, it just doesn't. So I can see why somebody would take a Strat and play on stage like an acoustic or do a solo gig. I would see that because I kind of feel the same way. When I play a Strat, it's always that feeling like an acoustic. I feel closest to uh, the acoustic fan. I'm more so than even uh, a hollow body guitar. Uh, it's just, for some reason, the Strat just has that vibe. So. Um, could also be the pickups too, because the single coil pickups in a Strat really do have, do a lot of things that to me, the, the acoustic does naturally too. A lot of, the low end feels thumpy. The highs are really articulate and they're chimey. That's probably why when I'm playing the Strat, because I hear that, I want to do that. Maybe that's what it is, too. Um, Jacob says, happy Friday. Any tips for nylon-strung classical guitars to keep them playing great uh, and in good working order? Yeah, two things. For maintenance on classical guitars, nylon-string guitars, uh, two things. Um, make sure you stretch them correctly. That's a big deal. Uh, and That's a pretty self-explanatory thing, but it's also... But also... Um, I like to have string cleaner for classical guitars. I find that the uh, the the wrapped strings on a classical guitar can corrode really bad and they get really dull sounding. And sometimes people like that. I, I don't love that so much. Sometimes, sometimes it's nice. If you don't want to use any string cleaner type materials, just make sure you keep a nice clean cloth. I always tell everybody to use cotton flannel or microfiber just because you know, you're being around the guitar. But always wipe your strings. Get all that oil and dirt from your hands off the strings every time you play. That's the only thing I think you have to do. That's the only thing I really worry about. Um, Avibos says, I don't know if I'm jacking up your name, probably. I apologize. Says, uh, hot rail style versus uh, full size humbuckers. Look, I got a video on that and where I compared that. And I absolutely am full size humbuckers all the way. Like I said, to me, going with the hot rail style, especially the mini humbuckers and the hot rail styles, right? Like what, what uh, you know, Steamer Duncan has a hot rail. Obviously, DiMarzio has all, all his are basically a hot rail style. All those pickups to me, they're cool sounding. They sound great. I love them. I have them in guitars. But it's to me as a direct replacement for humbucker. When somebody's like, I have a mini humbucker. It's the same. It's not the same. It's a different sound. It's a great sound. It's a different sound. So, and if given me a choice, if you said, hey, I can have, uh, you know, a mini humbucker, hot rail or a humbucker, I would always take a humbucker for that reason. For the most part, like I said, I just like it. Maybe change in the future. I don't know. Uh, Funky Groove, thank you again for the super sticker. Uh, BeastRich581, what's up? He says, gun-toting teen drama is worth the super chat. It, yeah, yeah, it's crazy, right? It's a weird, it's one of those stories uh, that, like I said, I normally wouldn't, it's not that I want to talk about it, but when somebody's like, oh, disgruntled customer, I'm like, well, you can't beat that. Um, but, but also, it's one of those things you think like, I don't know, just never thought, you know, you just don't think. You think like, oh yeah, maybe we'll get robbed. That happens. 
Um, but never think like, oh, somebody's just going to be upset <laughs> and pull a weapon. You're like, you know, um, the, um, I had this, uh, I had this employee, his name's Chuck and, uh, his dad is also named Chuck <laughs> and, uh, and, uh, his dad is a very, ta- well, he, they're both very talented. Chuck's talented, uh, guy. And his dad is very talented, uh, musicians and working musicians. And they're a very musical family, whole family of, uh, musicians. And Chuck would work in the store and, and he had a super, uh, pleasant demeanor about him. And one day I remember, I don't know if he was selling strings or something. Some guy got upset and, and minor upset, you know, grumpy from a frump, right? And, uh. I remember like the guy left and I just remember Chuck saying, if that guy got upset in here, how does that guy take the real world? <laughs> Cause we were just so easygoing. And, uh, I always love that saying, like, if you, if you're going to get upset here, you got, what are you going to do with the rest of the world? Um, so like, I think about that teen drama gun thing. Like if this kid's snapping because of this, that's why I said, I'm like, I don't know what to think. This is it's about as laid back as chill as you can get. Uh, Charvel gaming. What's up? He says, uh, Jackson soloist X series. Any good? Uh, I'm looking into the crackle finish version. I love the crackle finish version one, uh, as well. The way it looks, I mean, it's amazing for the price a thousand bucks. It's not cheap. I think they're 1100 now, but you can for a thousand thousand bucks, but that finish is just gorgeous. Uh, here's my, uh, thoughts on the Jackson, uh, Indonesia series, but keep in mind that crackle finishes made in China. I'm just saying that just, you know, it's a manufacturer difference. It's important to know it's a different factory than the standard Indonesian factory where a lot of Jacksons are being pulled from. My experience with those Jacksons are they are amazing or not amazing. There's usually not an in-between. So when my experience with playing those type of guitars, working on those kind of guitars, um, it's kind of like you get one and if it's great, you're like, just start playing it. If you get one, it's bad. Don't be afraid to swap it, send it back and get another one. If it's a legit problems, cause for some reason things just slip through for those. Um, maybe I don't know what it is, the high volume or just the different types of factories. Um, and I have not seen any of the crackle finish ones have any issues, um, you know, with the fret work or anything like that. But you know, also, I would also be prepared, like everything now, it seems like, to do a little setup and work on it. Of course, that's a pretty normal thing. Great guitar, though. When you look at them, that's a guitar. When I think of that guitar in particular, he's he's talking about the, well, he said the crackle finish, so I don't know which crackle finish. There's a couple. There's there's a, and some of those crackles actually may, may be Indonesia as well. I know the multicolored, like, rainbow-looking crackle, the purple, red, green, you know, yellow one is uh, manufactured in a Chinese factory. And I'm, I'm assuming, and the reason I keep mentioning that is because I'm assuming it's, man, it's manufactured in a different factory because of the paint work. You know, it's uh, you got to go to the factories that have the ability and have the, the, the skill set to do that. And I, I, you know, I haven't seen it done in the Indonesian factories. So, um, but that guitar looks like a million bucks. <laughs> looks great. Uh, Joseph. Says, hey, Phil, what is your experience with Tom Anderson guitars? Uh, any thoughts on the Buzz uh, Feet and System? Fetten System. I'll talk about that in a second. Uh, tuning system on those guitars. So uh, Buzz Feet and Fetten. I don't know how to pronounce his name. I hear, you know, it's. I think of this. Uh, uh, I was never certified. You can get, at least you used to back in the day, you used to get Buzz Fetten certified and you get trained to him. Um, and again, one of you guys is going to probably correct me. I I, used to, I think I used to, I used to say Buzz Feet. Here's, here's what happened. I have a, uh, a funny thing. We had a rep <laughs> at the store who sold us tuners that were Buzz Fetton certified. 
And one day I asked him, I said, Hey, how do you say buzz is buzz feeding or buzz fatten? He goes, it's fatten. And then a couple months later, he came to the store and we were talking and I said, buzz fatten. And he goes, it's buzz feeding. I go, is it feeding? And he was messing with us. He thought it was funny. Uh, so, you know, so now I can't remember which one was the real one. Cause he always messed with us. So if I'm saying it wrong, I apologize. It's not like normally, like, I just don't remember. I just remember he just always messing with it. Uh, if you're not familiar with that system, uh, basically, uh, this guy, <laughs> buzz Fatten, uh, he uh, created this uh, system where uh, how you carve the nut essentially uh, improves the intonation, right? So uh, Washburn uses it. Obviously, Tom Anderson uses it. There is a special way you have to tune the guitars. So, you know, it's not that hard. It's not a big deal. Um, and you do, you're supposed to have a special tuner for that. Um, I don't think you have to specifically buy it. I think you just have to go on his website now and figure out which tuners uh, do it. I haven't what happened with me was I would do, I was doing it like uh, guitars would come in with the system on it and I would t set them up the correct way. I would never notice a difference. So then over time, I just, no one asked me to do it. So I stopped just caring and I would just do it the standard way. Um, but, uh, yeah. Uh, Rad Furry says, what is the buzz fen thing? He goes to my washburn and say it on the back. Yeah. It's a tune. So basically it's hard to tell because when you're looking at it, what it is, is the nut is carved slightly different to, to improve the intonation. That's basically it. The way I use to explain it, the way, the best way I have to explain it is this. Okay. Um, I'm going to show you something. Maybe. Um, come on images. Here it goes. Come on. A good picture somewhere. Somewhere, somewhere, somewhere. All right, here you go. All right, here we go. I'm going to show this real quick. This is an Irvana nut. Uh, you guys have seen it. If you've seen them on Music Man guitars, I just grabbed around a picture. You can see here, uh, like almost like a uh, fan fret system or something like that. See where it's staggered different, different points for improved intonation. You see that right there? Uh, this is not Buzz Fatten. This is the Irvana system. However, the Buzz uh, Fatten system or Fetten system is um, a concept like that. It's a lot, lot, lot harder to detect. You look at the nut and it looks absolutely the same. Maybe the nut's slightly thicker on one side. I can't remember. Like I said, I didn't get certified for it. I remember like you could pay to get certified from it. We had a tech that worked at the shop that was certified. So anytime I had anybody that wanted it, um, I would... I would uh, just send it to him, uh, to, to Darren. Um, and somebody says, yeah, the Peterson clip-on does the tuning. I, like I said, I'm, I'm pretty sure all the... Thank you, uh, Charles. I'm pretty sure all the good tuners do it. Um, back in the day, you could get, you know, like uh, Sabine tuners or Korg tuners, and they're definitely Sabine, and they would say BuzzFeed and, you know, certified or whatever, and, and you could just use that to do the system. Um, but... Uh, um, and then, uh, Will for thinker, willful thinker says, did music man buy Irvana? I don't know if they bought Irvana. I don't know. I don't know. I just know they like to adopt it and put it on their guitars. So essentially that's, um, what that system is. Um, so that's why you have it. Um, so in to Joseph's question, he wants to know what's my thoughts on that. The system, I don't, seems to work. <laughs> I don't know. Think of this. You can get it on a, a Floyd uh, guitar. Uh, my N4s have it. And it's a standard uh, Floyd Rose looking nut. So again, I'm, it's a it's a slight variance. Maybe it's in the scale length. I'm sure you can Google it. It's just I know I 
don't know how it works because it's not something I ever versed myself in. I'm just aware of the concept is familiar to that same kind of like adjusting the scale slightly on strings to get better intonation. Um, that being said, Tom Anderson also uses it as well as my understanding. And, and I, I played a ton of Tom Anderson guitars. Um, I love Tom Anderson guitars. Uh, I absolutely adore Tom Anderson guitars. So, you know, um, why, um, I don't know why specifically to me, quality wise, they're like, sir, like when I think of sir and you guys know, I brought up sir in the past many times that I love their guitars, but I always kind of feel like sir gets this, like, nothing's like a sir kind of attitude. <laughs> and again, I'm always like, yeah, they're great. I think my Kiesel's are great. I think Tom Anderson's are great. I think a lot of the, you know, really high attention to deal. The I, I, Ibanez Prestige, same thing. Really great guitars. Um, yeah, Wilful Thinker says a, it's a required a nut slot reposition slightly. That's exactly the way I understand it too. So, you know, I haven't worked on any kind of BuzzFeed and type guitars like that in probably 15 years. It was a thing. It's still being used and manufacturers use it, but it was a thing for a while. Like guitar players were definitely having their guitars switched over to it for a little while. Now you just see certain manufacturers use it and I'm sure it works great. I have no complaints. Um, but that, um, um, oh, David said music man patented their system and sued Irvana. Okay. So that's good to know too, because they are very similar looking. Very nice. Um, so anyways, like I said, this, this, uh, that's more important to this is the Tom Anderson stuff. Love Tom Anderson. Uh, if the question is why don't I own a Tom Anderson guitar? They're just expensive, man. There's can't own everything. <laughs> That's basically it. And, uh, for, for, for me, when the guitars get expensive like that, I mean, one, it's, it makes it a harder to obtain them, a harder to trade for them, harder to buy them. But more importantly, the higher, the more expensive the guitar is, the more I have to have exactly what I have to have. Like it has to be exactly what I want. It's as the, you get what you get and you don't throw a fit attitude does not work for me when the guitars get that expensive. So the fact is sometimes I find it very kind of boring when it's like $5,000 and it comes in three colors. Like, and then those colors are the colors I want. Like, can I get any color for five grand? I'm still trying. Everybody's trying to, uh, get used to inflation. <coughs> Excuse me. Uh, I'm just trying to get used to the fact that, um, you know, I remember when I would dream about $3,000, $5,000 guitars, you know, not 20 years ago, not 10 years ago. We're talking about just year, a couple years ago, you know, right? I remember when you would think about those crazy price guitars, the biggest appeal to me was you got what you wanted, you know, like, oh, I could get a guitar, but I could finally get in the color I want and the way I want. And now when I look at those high, all these high end guitars, it's always like, this is what we have. We have two. <laughs> There's you have less selection, less choices. So it's, it's not very exciting to buy expensive guitars for me. Um, it's, uh, it's just nuts. You know, right. It's like, I just, you know, I think of, I want something unique and cool. And it's obviously to get unique and cool. A lot of times you have to either mod something yourself, modify it yourself. Like I said, you can make something unique and cool out of anything, or you have to pay a lot of money. But I feel like a lot of times the stuff that's a lot of money now, it's not unique and cool. It looks like everything else. So, uh, but like I said, Tom Anderson, maybe one day, uh, Matthew, <laughs> Matthew wants to know, are you attenuating your amplophonics and gain, uh, amp? I am not, I ha I did not for the video and I'm not, uh, doing it, uh, currently now when I play the amp, um, I haven't needed to, it does high gain at a low volume and, uh, 
the only thing you can't do is look, there's um the the clean channel gets dirty and that thing's like a plexi. It will just rip the, your face off and destroy the room. Everything will come crashing down. It's loud. And so that you'd probably want to uh, attenuate. But for me, I, if I'm going to use the gain, I'm going to use the, the actual gain channel because it's more controlled but at lower volumes. So um, there you go. Um, uh, K Guitar Works with an E uh, LLC says, does the Nuno N4 have that nut? It doesn't have that nut. It has a Floyd note, but it is a buzz feed and system. So it's adjusted somehow. Both the, both the N4s I have, have the buzz system. So obviously that implies that the nut is adjusted. And so, like I said, it, it's probably not the actual nut. We keep saying nut. It might not even be the nut. It might be just the fretboard. You know what I mean? Um, like, I didn't measure it, but maybe if we measure the edge of the fretboard where the nut touches to the bridge, maybe the scale length is slightly varied from the low E to the high E. Maybe that's what it is. Just a slight tilt. I'm not sure. Um, James says it's pronounced Fenton. So that could be right. Fit. I don't know. Fitton? Buzz Fitton. That makes sense. See, I'd have, I couldn't even get it right, even with the two ones I had. So... Red, Red Furry 23 is an old school fan of the show. He says, do you have, do, do you still have a massive pick collection? I do. I have a pretty huge pick collection. I, my collection of pedals is gone. My collection of picks is obviously there's, what am I going to do with that? <laughs> it doesn't take up a lot of room. Um, it's still, it's in my, uh, in, in my dresser, in my drawer, the other, in the other room. Um, I love it. I don't really add to the collection anymore. I haven't bought any picks in a long time, you know, specifically for trying new picks. Um, so I don't add a whole lot to it, but I still have it. I haven't gotten anything out of it. And of course I have a huge pe uh, pickup collection and that's of course more for work, uh, than for anything else. Um, but it's just, you know, where, like I said, the pick collection was cause I decided I was going to use picks and then I wanted to learn all I could about picks. So Dan says, Buzz, what a terrible name for a guitar product. Yeah, that's kind of bad, right? Yeah, I'd agree. <laughs> uh, yeah, I would say, yeah. Uh, it's like having a dentist last name's Payne. Dr. Payne, we'll see you now. <laughs> um, okay, uh, Steven says, hey, does a Bigsby Bridge affect playability? Does it affect the playability? Uh, not to me. I kind of love it. I have one obviously on this the scratch right behind me. I love the way they feel. I like, uh, it doesn't really change anything. Uh, no, I'm going to say no. I mean, yeah, I mean, it doesn't change. It's no, it doesn't affect the playability. Is it the same as not having a Bigsby? No, it's not the same, but it's not something like I would go, Oh my God, this is so dramatically different. I mean, you can just move the arm out of the way and play it like a like a tone pro style bridge, you probably wouldn't even notice. And so, uh, do max says, Hey, what are your thoughts on the stacked P nineties versus PAFs? Um, stack P nineties. I'm not a huge fan of stack P nineties, noiseless P nineties, uh, just like noiseless single coils, not a huge fan of them. Do I dislike them? No. In fact, the other day I was playing one of my guitars with P nineties and I was kind of thinking like, maybe it's time to put a stack P 90 in the bridge. Cause it's really, Really, the the six cycle hum was really out of control, and it was recording, so it was kind of a nightmare. And I was like, I got to get the noise gate out, put it on there, and then I was thinking maybe I'll get a stacked uh, P ninety. 
Um, but still not my, not my favorite. Again, I don't dislike them. I just don't prefer them. They don't, they don't sound as good to me. HK says, Hey, please recommend any compact preamp pedals to go into a Seymour Duncan power stage and real cab after a choice of overdrive pedals. I don't need an amp sim. Thanks for your help. So you're talking about preamp pedals. I mean, I, the problem is I don't really have a reference of what you're looking for sound wise. When I think of preamp pedals, I think of like the Saldano pedal. Um, I mean, essentially, I, I, let me just use it this way. Any overdrive pedal, here's what I would say. It, it, any overdrive pedal that has as many controls as an amp is to me is a preamp pedal. So if you have a uh, gain volume, uh, treble bass in middle and a presence control, it's going to pretty much work like a preamp of an amplifier sound wise. And so that's all it really matters to me. It's not so much that they deem it a preamp pedal uh, that it's that it has the control like a preamp so I can tailor my sound a little bit. So in that case, I mean, you can use anything that has those controls. So don't worry about my, what I say is like, a, oh, this is a good pedal. Just look for that control layout. Look for control. Like I said, you want those ones I just mentioned. You want gain, volume, uh, bass, metal, treble, middle, treble, <laughs> treble, the three EQs. And then of course, presence. Uh, presence would be nice. I, I like to have it, but, um, but at least those. Um, uh, Luciano says new guitar day, 2013 Gibson LP Les Paul sixties tribute with BB bear uh, burst bucker one burst bucker two pickups thinking of putting a Les Paul classic PCB with four push pulls. Will it, will it fit and work fine? Um, yes, the Les Paul classic PCB drop in should drop in. It's a standardized route with Gibson. It should not be a problem. Um, are the Gibson 61T and 61R and BB Burst Bucker 60s the same pickups? Nope, they're different. Burst Bucker 1 and 2 versus Burst Bucker 60s thoughts. I don't know specifically. Um, I like the Burst Buckers and that's it. Uh, that's the ones I like. I don't even know. That's the ones I get. I like, I actually, so you know, I like Burst Bucker pick. I, I, let me take it back. I like those pickups. That's not what I put in my Gibsons. I put 57 classics in all my Gibsons. If my Gibsons, like I think my SG had uh, like the 61T and the 61R, I think, and they're fine. I didn't take them out. I like them. And some, I have another Gibson that has the burst buckers. Uh, fine. I like them. Like I said, they play good. I don't yank pretty much any of the Gibson pickups out of any of my Gibson guitars. Um, uh, but if uh, like, for instance, I was by a used Gibson and somebody put some other brand of pickups in there and I don't know them or like them, I usually grab 57 classics. That's what I put in there. So not because they're better, just that's what I like. It's a preference thing. It's like, a, I just, I just like the way they react and sound with most of the amplifiers I play. So that keeps that easy for me. Um, arrows for audio says for the emergency Woodford reserve fund. You, so how did it, how did I, did I talk about Woodford? Must have, I must've mentioned that's what we like. Yeah, we like. Uh, Woodford. Um, I'll buy the, um, oh yeah. Cause I told the story about buying the two soccer mom size, uh, Woodford serves at the Costco for Christmas and the, and the cashier judged us. <laughs> so it's kind of funny. Um, you know, it's, it's funny cause, uh, um, <laughs> does anyone else have that problem? The, uh, I can't, you know, when you, when you gotta get liquor, I just is going to weirdest thing is just cause uh, he brought up the Woodford thing. 
I sometimes I'll look at like the vodka thing and you have the two vodkas and like it's 20 bucks or 25 bucks. And then one's like 50 bucks or whatever, 40 bucks, whatever it is. It's like a lot cheaper to buy the big one. Right. I don't know what it is about big liquor bottles. <laughs> when I see them and they go to the, when you go to the, 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 the uh, BevMo or you go to the Costco or whatever, whenever I see the big, big liquor bottles, I'm always like, yeah, I can't buy that. <laughs> That's can't be judged for that. Just can't walk up to the register with that. Just, just it's too, too big. So, and then you're like, and then you're mad because you're like, buy it. The smaller one costs more. <laughs> so it's kind of funny. That's what I think about the Woodfords. Those things were huge. They were like giant, they look like giant cologne bottles. They were so huge. Um, so yeah, for the Woodford. Um, so the, uh, Dan Crow says, Hey, Phil, I got a GNL ASAT asset. Uh, just like saying that uh, Z3 uh, with the Z coils, loving the sound, but the pickups still look funny. What's your favorite ugly guitar? Oh, that's fun. Yeah. And they do look funny. What's my favorite ugly guitar? Well, one of my mirror is kind of ugly. It's boring to me. I'm looking around the room. You know, I always feel bad. I don't want to say I'm gonna, but I don't want to. I just want to start with this. Not because, uh, you know, you might, somebody out there has this guitar and they'll be, a, you know, sad that I said this. I always feel bad for the builders. But when I think of my favorite ugly guitar, it's my Strandberg. It looks like a puzzle piece. <laughs> it just looks like some. looks like a missing, it looks like somewhere there's somebody who wants to complete a puzzle and they can't because I have it as a guitar. The Strandbergs look like a puzzle piece to me with a, like a stick sticking off of it. Um, that's my favorite ugly guitar, uh, by far. And, uh, you know, and some of you guys, so I love it. That's great. If you love it, I, I just, you know, that would be, that would be my answer to that question. So, um, and then, you know, it's funny though, uh, cause you mentioned pickups, the Z, the, the, um, the Z coils to me, when I think of ugly pickups, it's zebra pickups. I have zebra pickups in a lot of guitars, you know, the tan and, and black zebra pickups. And to me, they're always like, every time I see them, I'm like, oh, looks so not, not cool. <laughs> but I have them in so many guitars. So I'm sure a lot of you are like, oh, you must like them. I'm like, they're just in there. I mean, I don't hate them, so I'm not going to remove them. But I don't love them. I don't look at any zebra pickups and go, yeah, that's the way to go. Uh, K. O'Domer. I'm going to say O'Domer. 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 Says I got a classic Vibe 70 Strat that needs a fret dressing level fret in job. How big does a pro fret job make playability wise? Oh, it makes me a huge difference. Never had one done. Look, it's a big deal because obviously you want those frets not only leveled, that's important how it plays, but crowned prep, prep, properly because you want that's better intonation. Believe it or not, if your frets aren't crowned properly, your intonation is not dialed in as is nice it plays and massively different now keep this in mind this is the tough part so i don't want to just say it not all crown and levels not all work is the same so if some guy gets it that's jacks up your guitar because he doesn't do good work it could be worse you might be better off so i guess my answer to your question is if you can find somebody that can do it or you can learn to do it yourself it's going to make a huge difference it's massive you're going to love it if you take it somebody or you try and you don't do a very well a good job you're not only going to not notice it, it may make things worse um, grumpy digger just said, just because you're a bloody good guy, cheers. Uh, thank you, man. I appreciate that. That's, that's really nice of you to say the, uh, and then RD the super chat T sized says, Hey, higher end Epiphones or cheaper Gibson SG. 
I'm not opposed to modding another Epiphone uh, if need be, just don't always want to work on them. On, on this is a simple answer for you, for me, an Epiphone and Gibson. I, I've said this a million times. Gibsons are investments. That's how I look at them. I've said uh, I play Gibson SGs. The main reason I play the Gibson SG is because you can find them, you know, when you find them in a good a deal, you buy them at the right price, they're worth what you paid, and then they're worth more. I'm not losing money on those ever. I'm not trying to make money on them. I'm just, they're guilt-free. You're just playing a guitar that essentially, like, I play this guitar until I die, and then my kids cash out, and they get more than what I paid for it. Um, there's, and and because of that, that's the value. Epiphone is like that too. Don't worry, guitars go up. It's, it's not that. But, I mean, a Gibson is, out of all the guitars in the world that I've ever seen, sold and bought and sold, through the store, through me personally, through the world, Gibsons are the easiest things to sell, get rid of. Everybody's always looking for a Gibson on a deal or just Gibson period. And so that's kind of like I said, when I, I, I told you guys, when I bought my ASU 35, I bought a Gibson and I even said it in that video, I, I, look, the Epiphone was fine. I just got it. I got, I had a dealer that was willing to take $500 off the price of a, 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 a I actually didn't know that the pandemic was, you know, was happening. The guitar boom was going to happen when I made that video. If you go back and watch that video, I actually said in that video, I, I got that guitar for $500 off and, uh, or, or below and it was a good deal and it was worth what I paid for it. It's actually, that is funny. I bought a Gibson ES35 and if I think, well, I know if I sold it right now, if I threw it on reverb right now, it's almost a thousand dollars more than I paid for it. And I bought it new. So it's worth a thousand dollars more used because they've jacked up the prices so much because of all the stuff and just everything. So, um, yes, Dan says you can always park money in a Gibson. Yes. We use the term parking money all the time. Um, and, and Gibson is just one of those companies. So I, I always say it because I want to, there, there's a, there's truth to some players love Gibsons more than Epiphones. There's truth that like Joe Bonamassa loves a vintage Les Paul more than a new one. I'm sure there's some truth to that. My dog's freaking out. Um, but also keep in mind, he's also rich and he's doing what rich people do, which is he's investing. He's right. Like I, my joke is what's, What's a, what's worth more than a 63 Strat? A 63 Strat, 63 Strat played by Joe Bonamassa. So if he buys a 63 Strat and plays it, it's worth more than what he paid for it. So I'm not saying that's his in, that's his desire, but what's nice about this thing that we love, whether you're a professional musician, a semi-pro musician, a collector, a hobbyist, there's there's this reality to this. You know, I, I have friends that are into Legos. That's why I bring up Legos a lot. And the same thing, they can buy Legos and you, you do Legos long enough. I watch them. They, they stop spending money almost like then they're like, I sold off all these bricks I didn't need. And I got $700 and I took that and I bought the new Lego stuff. I mean, you know, it's nice to have your ho hobby subsidize itself a little bit. Takes a lot of the guilt off, especially if you're a father or a mother or, you know, and you're responsible for, I don't know, being responsible to somebody else and paying food for them. If your love and passion isn't depleting, you know, family resources. So, um, so Anyways, uh, my, my point is, uh, what's my point? My point is, is that, uh, that's a lot of times when I talk about Gibson's Epiphones, I want to be clear because that's how I'm speaking. And some players are speaking that way too. Like it's, it's a better investment, uh, for that logic for your money. Um, but when you're asking like, which one do I prefer? I don't even know, uh, with an SGE, if I even have a preference of Gibson, uh, Epiphone to me, as long as they have 
to me, if I got an Epiphone SG and I put 57 classics Gibson pickups in it, I would be totally, totally tickled and happy. I would probably like it even more because I actually prefer polyurethane over the next so is lacquer. So, um, so yeah, think about that. So if Gibson came with a polyurethane finish, well, sadly enough, I might consider it, but also I'd be afraid. Like, I know what I want to buy it off me after I was done. Uh, Martin's Martin says, uh, and oh, and some of you guys are going to say, well, I don't buy guitars like that. I buy them forever. Yeah. I'm not just thinking about me. I'm thinking about, like I said before, when I die, all this stuff, my family's got to sell all this crap. They got to sell all this. And so I'm sure they're going to hate me a lot less when they're like, dad's guitars were annoying, but Hey, I got, I got a new Subaru. <laughs> no, I don't know. Maybe that's, I don't know. Uh, and then Martin said, thanks. I really enjoy your Mark, uh, work. Thank you. Uh, Martin, I appreciate that. Hold on. I just want to make sure that I don't, that I caught, I got as my screen refreshes. Okay, the I just want to say Michael uh, is the last super chat. So we have Danny Concar Concarney Concarney like like chili Concarney like Danny. Oh, okay, uh, Danny says, "Howdy, Phil. Would it be a good idea to put a buffer polytune pedal before a DIY box? Love the stream. Hope I like using a buffer pedal. I'm not really into the whole whole true bypass. I like pushing the signals. I like having signal." <laughs> I like the amp because I'll just, uh, if the amp's reacting to uh, a buffered signal, I'll just roll my volume back a little bit. I kind of like that. There's, um, when I watched uh, the Dave Grissom, uh, him talk about his guitar after I did the review, because uh, I, I don't know if I mentioned this, it was like a really cool, you know, when you have kind of, kind of cool moments as a, on the YouTube platform. One of the cool moments is I did a video of the Dave Grissom guitar, and then I guess he was being interviewed and he mentioned my review and how, uh, he, he said some very flattering things about me, which is very nice. <laughs> right. Um, and they were really heartfelt things. They were like, he's like, kind of like side so the way I read it. I, I'm not, I don't remember exactly, but it was something like, he doesn't know who I am. Obviously he's like, I don't know who that film McKnight guy is, but his video is very detailed. It's very good. And I think he knew more about the guitar than I did. And I was like, Oh, cool, man. That's a really nice thing to hear kind of thing. And, um, but he was talking about how he uses it funny enough. That's kind of how I do it too. I, I showed you guys I have a boost pedal. I like to roll my volume back a little bit on my guitar and then kick a boost pedal on. And you could argue that it sounds the same as if, when I have that, when I do it that way is keeping my volume full forward. It probably does, but I like just having that. It's just something about having, I like the way it kind of attacks the amp a little bit differently. So yeah, I like the idea of putting a, a buffer pedal before your DI box for the same reason. Uh, Michael uh, says, Hey, you said zebra pickups, copyright strike. Yep. I'm sure. <laughs> <laughs> yeah well trust me that's the <laughs> you get copyright strikes for anything now when you're talking about uh brands they're all getting everybody's out there copywriting every uh, trademarking actually using copyright strike technically it would be a trademark strike somebody's probably got a trademark now the name so um let's the uh I'm not old vintage says Subaru. They should get a Range Rover for your collection. Uh, well, you yeah, haven't taken into account of inflation. If you look, <laughs> cars are expensive. The, uh, okay. Uh, Amanda says, is there a Guinness book of world records for the amount of guitars owned? I would think, I mean, sure. Some rich guy can own that, you know, have that, but I would imagine it's going to be a rock star. Like it's going to be ZZ top or it's going to be Aerosmith or somebody would just, 
And have you ever seen that stuff where they have warehouses? These, some of these rock bands have warehouses um, full of guitars. Just crazy. And as always, I, I just want to thank you guys for your time. And until next Friday, know your gear.